All right. So this will be my last sermon here with you all today. I'll still be here for a little while, but uh, I'm feeling a little teary-eyed, so hopefully there are... Wow, look, you even brought towels for me. Yeah, it's going to be really awkward if I just break down crying. It'll make you guys feel really uncomfortable. No, um, this past uh, spring break, I was able to go on this uh, trip with my girlfriend, who she's actually here, uh, so pressure's on, you know. Just kidding. Um, and we went to Florida for spring break, which is awesome. We got to visit her grandparents, her birth family. Uh, it was super relaxing. Went to the beach. I got to eat crawfish, which is like my love language right there. I think I got third degree sunburn on my feet because that's like, for some reason, I didn't think like, wow, you need to put sunscreen on your feet. But you do, Garrett. Remember. <laughs> um, but uh, there's this really crazy thing that happened uh, one Sunday morning. We were at our grandparents' church. And kind of like to set the scene for you, it's this really old people church in a really old people town. And um, it was, you know, small, uh, pretty like quiet community. Like, I don't think I saw anyone like running the entire time I was in that area. And uh, we get to this church and they're talking about uh, their building fund that they're doing for the church. So already I'm like, all right, you know, an infamous building fund. They're getting ready to start. Here at Echo, we've been blessed because we haven't really had to extend our building. We've been focusing on finding a building. Uh, So thankfully, God's provided this place for us. But there, the pastor is going through, like, all the benefits. And he's like, yeah, it's going to be great. We have a gym, which I don't know why you would need a gym because there's not any kids there. And then he's like, we're going to have new classrooms. And everyone's, like, really excited. And you can just feel the energy. And in the middle of this... One guy, like in the middle of the congregation, he just stands up and he's, he proclaims to the entire congregation, I'm going to give $20,000 to this project. And if you're like me, I'm just like sitting there like, I don't, I've never seen $20,000 in my life, let alone given it to the church. So I'm just like, wow, and everyone's like clapping and there's just a ton of energy and like all the old ladies in the back are like, oh bless that man's soul. He gave so much money to the Lord. And as I had time to think about it more on our 15-hour drive back to Cincinnati, I was able to kind of like think through and start to ask some questions about this incredible gift that this man offered up to the church and to God. And so I kind of started questioning like his motives behind the gift and like, why would you give that much money? Why would you give money at all to the church? Um, you know, was for him, was it that he wanted to see this gym built? He really liked working out or something? Or was it that he really wanted to see God working in the church and that this building would accomplish that? Was it like, you know, there's a pretty girl across the room and he's like, got to show that I got the money for her. And so I was trying to like think through why he gave that much. And that kind of led me to thinking through like, why do I give my $20,000? You're welcome, Steve, to Echo Church. And, um, and what is my motive for giving to God. And I started off with a really simple thought, and then it kind of went through this, this story, and I started to realize these different reasons of why I give and why I think we as a church give to God. So starting off simple, my first thought was like, well, I mean, God created us, so, you know, we kind of owe him that, like, we have life, you know, and that's true. Genesis 2-7 talks about, and then God formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life 
and the man became a living being. So God did create us, and that is motivation in itself to give. And I was able to look through this, and like I found some crazy things about this passage that I had no idea about before. So for a moment, we're just going to venture into Hebrew. You thought I was joking, Zane. Um, it's going to be completely incorrect, probably. And since Sarah's here, I'm going to ask that she just like plug her ears um, because she knows Hebrew, right? Do you know Hebrew? Yeah, kind of. Anyways, so in my extensive research on Wikipedia, I found that the word... Oh, yeah. That's her name, if you didn't know. Her name's Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just look her up on Facebook. It's there, Sarah. <laughs> um, so this, this word that's used for, for the breath that God breathes into our lungs... Um, it's spelled really weird. I'm guessing it's nishama. That's what it looks like. And uh, the thing that like really stood out to me is that this word, it's not just like air. And it's not just like he breathed air into us. That's not what it's talking about. This breath has more significance. This breath has a spiritual meaning. And so when it talks about God breathing into us, it's not just like, yeah, we can we can breathe and we're living organisms, but it actually like has a spiritual conscience. Like that's what sets us apart from animals and other living organisms is this breath. And it's this breath that makes us in the image of God. And I was thinking about a time when I was a young kid. Um, we were living in New Orleans, my family, and me and my brother, who were both extremely competitive uh, just to kind of set the story. We both really compete with each other. Whatever it is, we find a way to make a competition. And for some reason, we always competed for my dad's attention and his affection. Um, and we would use our different like skill sets to try to prove to our dad that we were better than the other. Because for some reason, that made sense. So Luke, who uh, is more like gentle maybe than I am, would go and like give my dad back massages and be like whispering in his ear like, I'm your favorite son, say it. And uh, my dad would never give in. He loved us equally, which I still think is a hoax. There's no way, there's no way, but he would never give in. And then I would go and we played basketball and I would just posterize Luke, dunk over him and be like, look dad, like I'm physically superior. I should be your favorite son. And he would not budge at all. And I think that we, we crave this attention and we really wanted to hear our dad say, like, yeah, I love you the most. Because our dad gave us that life. And, like, there is, like, yeah, he, like, produced us. But, like, more than that, he, like, took care of us. And he raised us. He protected us. And so because of that relationship, we wanted to give him and also receive from him this confirmation that we were his son's. And so, in the same way, God gave us this life, this breath, we're in his image. And so that, in itself, is a motivation for giving back to God. And that's the first gift that I really stumbled upon uh, in reading throughout the biblical narrative, is this gift of life. Which, as we look around, and as we look introspectively and extrospectively, we see that like that life isn't the same as it once was in Genesis. And as Steve was saying, you know, we've all sinned and we're all aware that like there is like that part of us that is not like God. There's that part of us that desires um, to be whole. There's that part of us that, that wants other things other than God. 
And so we look around and we see a lot of pain. We see the drug dealers on the corner. There's the greed that just seems to separate families. There's um, the stress and pain. Just recently, this past week, there was that earthquake in Ecuador, which took the lives of many people. And it just is clearly not the same life that God once gave us. There's this uncleanliness within us. And then we see the second gift of life, which, um, again, Steve talked about with uh, the communion meditation. Jesus comes into the story and brings, he sacrifices his own life, bringing life to us. And Galatians 1, 3 through 5 talks about grace to you and peace from our God and the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of, of our God and Father to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And talks about Jesus coming in, saving us, delivering us from the present evil age, which Paul, you know, was writing this way, way, way back in the day. And he's talking about a present evil age now and then. And I think there's a present evil age now, uh, which we are still being delivered from. So we have this first gift of life from God, this life that we didn't deserve. We didn't do anything that should have been rewarded for this first life. And then we spat on that gift. We kicked it away. We didn't want it. We denied it. And so God comes and offers us the second gift, this gift that's even more meaningful than the first, because the first in itself is incredible, this gift of life. But the second is this eternal life, which allows us to come back into this relationship with God. And you would think, like, man... Not only do I not deserve the first gift, I don't deserve the second gift. Like, what more can God give? I mean, we know that God is a, a very merciful God. His gifts, his good gifts abound all around us. But what more could he give to us in order for us to want to give back to him? And we see the third gift enter into the story as Jesus is li- leaving, which is the Holy Spirit. And the topic of the Holy Spirit is kind of interesting to me because... When you think about it, a lot of times when Jesus rises from the dead, we read that story. We're like, man, all celebrating. Everyone's happy. Everything is good. God is one. And then a lot of times I close the book and it's like the end, you know, no more Bible. Let's just cut it off after that. But we see before Jesus leaves in Matthew 28, he gives the great commission. And I was thinking about this commission, like go baptize the nations. That's not it, but it's something like that. Um, Basically, go out into the world, right? And I began thinking, and it's like, man, talk about a homework assignment. How overwhelming would that be to go into the world, make disciples of all nations? Not just the people that you understand and the people that you speak their language, but the people that look completely different from you, that talk completely different from you, and that eat food that you have never seen before in your life. And I just can't imagine the disciples like, okay, go into the world, got it, and wait, Jesus is leaving. What? (laughs) Like... How in the world are they going to accomplish this incredible task? And yet, Jesus gives us this promise at the end of this commission. He says, I will, I will be with you till the end of the age. And uh, a lot of times, I, I mean, I imagine the disciples would have thought, like, yeah, Jesus will be here with us. But he wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. And in uh, Romans chapter 8, it goes more in depth about this Holy Spirit It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. 
Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And I know that can be a little confusing. It talks a lot about the spirit and dwelling and all that. But basically, basically we have this spirit that is what gives us life. Because the, the challenge that Jesus gives us in loving other people is impossible. There's no way. We talked earlier about like the darkness that's kind of come in, the darkness within us, that uncleanliness. There's nothing good that can come from that. We as humanity have produced death. God, the giver of life, we came in, the givers of death. And so there's nothing within us that can love other people or like walk like Jesus. The WWJD, what would Jesus do? There's no way we could do that on our own. It's only by the spirit that we can actually have that goodness inside of us. So up to this point, we see God, the giver of life, first and foremost. And then we see us not accepting the gift just like you know, the pair of socks you get at Christmas. And then he comes in and he, uh, he gives us the second gift, a gift that we most certainly did not deserve. And then on top of this gift, he says, now not only do you have this gift of life, but you're going to need a third gift, the Holy Spirit. And that's what's going to carry you through all that you're going to experience, no matter what it is. And it's going to be hard. There are going to be times that you're going to be feeling really weak. But that Holy Spirit that dwells in you, the same Spirit that not only gave Jesus the power to heal the blind, to give uh, sight, nope, sound, hearing to the deaf, the same Jesus that rose from the dead, that spirit is what gave him the power, and that spirit is that which dwells within us. And that is what allows us to give back to God. And yet, through this incredible gift that God offered us, this gift that cost him everything and he's offering free of charge to us, This gift, we have the audacity to say, I don't want it. I'm a good Christian because I go to church. Or I'm a good Christian because I go to Bible college. I'm good, God. I don't need it because I give to the homeless. I give to charity. I tithe. I mean, what are we thinking that we can boast to others about our own ministry or about the things that we've done? Like, look at the good that I've done for the people in Kenya by giving my $10 for that well. I mean, we act as if these things that we do come from within us, but in reality, all that we've produced is pain, grief, sadness. There's probably, I would say there's not one person in here who has not been impacted by death, by poor decisions from another person. I mean, we're lucky that God does not withhold his mercy from us in the same way that we withhold our love from him. On the one hand, we act like we do all these great things and we take pride in the things that we do. And I feel you, like holding the door open and it's like, wow, 10 people walk through. Like, yeah, I'll put on my nice smile. And we act like these things are such a big deal. Or we go to the the other side of the pendulum and we, we think to ourselves like, man, I don't got time to help that person. Like... I can't do that. That's too annoying. I don't want to give that dude a ride. He just needs to work harder and buy his own car. So we're either taking credit for things that we do or we're pushing people away because it's inconvenient for us. Was the death of Christ convenient for him? 
Imagine if God would have only given 10% of himself on that cross that day. And that is grace, my friends, that God didn't just give a part of himself. He withheld nothing from us. He didn't just promise us his Holy Spirit from 9 a.m. to noon on Sunday mornings. He gave us his Holy Spirit to dwell within us at all times. That incredible, undeserved free gift, this unrelenting grace that's pursuing after us, even though we continually push it away. And that's going to land us to the main passage that we're going to be looking at today. I know, it's crazy. We're just now getting to the main passage. Gosh. It's 1 Corinthians 12, so you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to that. We're going to start off with just a few verses. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So he names these, these services, these activities, and he makes sure to mention, he makes sure to point out that all these gifts are driven by the Spirit. And actually, the next couple of verses, he goes through and starts naming, like, you know, prophecy and knowledge. And he names these specific gifts, but he continues to draw back to the Spirit, that it's all through the Spirit. It's the same spirit that pushes these gifts. If you're familiar, there's this book uh, called The Giver that was probably one of my favorite books uh, growing up, and it follows this utopian society in which everything is perfect. There's no pain, there's no crying, no starvation. Everything is great. And the reason they're able to accomplish this is that there's one man who, you know, goes by The Giver, and he, he holds all the memories from the past. So all the memories about like war and destruction, all the, all the memories of famine and poverty, he can relive these memories. Uh, and he also has the good memories. He has the memories of sailing on the ocean, the bright sunny days, memories of picnics at the park. And so he's able to make these uh, non-biased decisions because he has these memories from the past. And so he's able to help the society by leading them through these memories that no one else has to experience and no one else knows about it. And so the book follows this one guy, this one character named Jonas, who ends up fulfilling the place of the giver. And so the giver's job is to pass on his memories to this boy. So he'd lay his hands on him, and the memory would transfer from the giver to Jonas. And so Jonas would relive that memory of sledding down the hill or having Thanksgiving dinner. He would relive the memory of being out on the battlefield, crying out in agony. And he would be able to experience it almost as if he was there. And the cool thing about this book is that Jonas clearly didn't earn any of this. Like the dude was just like a kid. He uh, wasn't even renowned by the society. He was just an ordinary person who simply allowed the giver to transfer these memories. The giver was the one that was providing him with these experiences. It was all because of the giver. And when it comes to this passage, as it's looking, as Paul looks and goes through these different gifts and these different kinds of service, he continues to just nail down the fact that it's not any of us, but that it's the spirit that is providing for these acts of service. We all have these different kinds of 
gifts and activities, and, and that's honestly what makes the church such a beautiful thing, is that the things that I can do are different from the things that Zane can do, which are different from the things that Sarah can do, and it's because of these varieties of gifts and activities that makes the church so unique. But it's important that we remember that it's not our own selves that bring this to the table, but it's the Spirit. Which, remind me, how did we get the Spirit? Answer back time. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. That's how. It's not even us that brings the Spirit into the picture. Like, this just continually blows my mind because I have this image that like, oh man, go to church and give to God. But no, the reason that I'm giving is because God gave to me. And it's not even me giving. The only reason I can give is because God gave me the thing which allows me to give. That might be confusing for some, but for those who are tracking, we're good. Okay? This... This completely redefines the way that the church works. And for so long, I've had this view of the gospel in which God gave his son, Jesus gave his life, and because of that, I give back to him. And I even brought these two, uh, two bottles. This is going to be a lame illustration, but it's something I'm going to spill. But I'd always be like, wow, God pours into me, I pour back into God. And more and more I'm realizing that I'm not actually important, and I'm not actually the part. I am the funnel, and God's just giving through me. Not as bad as I thought it would be, okay? We need to be the funnels. It's not this process of God gave to us, we give back to God. It's this process of the only reason we're allowed to give back to God is because we have the Spirit which God gave to us. It's such a humbling message because for so long, church, I lived my life being so proud of my accomplishments. I can remember clearly VBS of like my third or fourth grade year, okay? So years ago, probably 10 plus years ago. And I can remember that week, I can remember that week giving $28, 28. I remember the dollar amount from 10 plus years ago. And I was so proud. I was like, these missionaries need me. They need my money. I'm saving the world. And I thought I was the best kid. My team ended up winning, you know, not trying to brag or anything. But I had this pride about the $28 that I gave. And it was all about me giving. So even though I'm doing something that others would see as a sacrifice, me sacrificing something for others, I'm turning the process to where it's about me. And I think, church, that we've, we've turned the gospel to where it's about us. God came for us, and so we are going to do things for other people. And we tend to just nail down that us, us, us part. But that's not the point. That's not important. The only way that giving is accomplished is God giving to me, God giving through me, God giving to others. And if you notice in that line, there was no part about me giving. It's all God. And that's the beauty in following Christ, is that there's no pressure on you. It's not like you have to just all of a sudden invent this amazing master strategic plan to save the world. That's not it. What God asks of us is to be open vessels, to be funnels that we allow God to work through us. The giving starts with God, it's channeled through God, and it's accomplished through God. It's all about God. And the sooner that we come to realize that every gift comes from above and that it's not us providing any of this, the sooner that pressure is going to be off. And I think that that is when that non-believers and people who for so long have been shunned from the church are going to realize how great our God is. 
He withheld nothing for us. And so this week, as we go into our lives, I want to ask that all of us keep that mindset that it's God who's giving to us and allow that to channel through us. Church, let's go out there this week and be some funnels for Christ, okay? I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I'm constantly being brought back to the humbling reality that you are the giver. You are the giver of life. You're the giver of the spirit. God, where I'm at in my life today, it's not because I requested to be born in Kansas to a middle-class white family with a father who works in the church. It's not because of me, but it's because that's where you wanted me. And so, God, I thank you for the ways that you've worked in all of our lives the ways that you've brought us from extremely dark places into the light. We owe you so much, God. I ask that for everyone, no matter what they go through this week and no matter what annoying or frustrating people they have to work with or deal with, God, that your love and your grace will just pour into their lives and pour out into the lives of those they're interacting with. Thank you so much for your son who died for us. In your name I pray, amen.